0: ready we got to go in like 15 minutes no i don't have anything to wear i'll be in the living room hey how's it coming good almost ready hey how's it coming okay give me five. Struggle Is Real, right, guys? Oh, come on. Is there any guys in the house that's ever had to go through that? They're like, don't ask us. She's right here next to me. Shh. Man, The Struggle Is Real, okay? And we want to continue on in this series, The Struggle Is Real, talking about life, about family, about time, and about balance, all those things put together. But first, before we do that, did Jenny and Keaton do a great job with that song? Man, I tell you what, home, right, home, that's where you feel comfortable, that's where you're in your rhythm, that's where people should accept you regardless of your situation or regardless of anything else, that's where they just feel at home. And man, we want to talk about the struggle is real. Can you look at your neighbor and just say, the struggle is real, Okay, you're gonna have to do a lot better than that today, otherwise I'll do this the whole day, right? Just look at him. Just look at him. Lean in. Be like, the struggle is real, baby. The struggle is real. We want to talk about life. We want to talk about balance. We want to talk about our relationships. We want to talk about work. But I figured before we got into that, I want to show you a video that I believe demonstrates exactly what trying to find work life relationship balance feels like go ahead and roll the clip guys That's my baby girl, that's Eden. She was trying to grab in, in, on some water and hold on to it, but man, she just couldn't grasp it. How many of you have ever felt like when it comes to work, life, time, and trying to keep all of that organized and balanced, you feel like, man, <laughs> I'm trying to grab it, but I can't get it. How many of you ever felt that way? Yeah, I've felt that way, and I thought it was, I thought it was just work and Plus, it's never a bad thing to show a picture of a baby because everybody loves that, right? I was just like, oh, it's a baby. It's cute. Okay, I'll listen to him. So she's trying to grasp something that she couldn't hold on to. And I want to start by blowing up the myth that balance is achievable. Okay. Start right from there that balance is not achievable. Maybe the best way I can describe that to you is if I'm standing here, even if I stayed as quiet and as still as I possibly can, I'm not balanced. Right now, there are countless nerves and muscles that are all making slight adjustments to make sure that I stay in the same place. My body, I cannot keep it fully still, even as I breathe to stay alive, which is kind of a big deal, all right, is moving forward. And as my lungs expand, my legs have to counterbalance to make sure that I can stay strong. And see, we get this idea that balance is real and we're striving for something that's completely unattainable. And I would much rather lean into the fact that there's strength in the struggle of trying to manage all of our lives' expectations. How to manage our time. How to work with relationships and people or family. And then how to j- deal with our jobs. How do we manage all of that together? The key is constant adjustments. Just little adjustments. Even when I was standing here, you make little adjustments. Things are going to happen to you in life they are going to cause you to get knocked off of your balance. And you have to have keys that strengthen you. You have to have The ability to say this is just a little bit of an adjustment. I gotta adjust just a little bit over here. I gotta adjust just a little bit over here, and I want to give you four G's. Say four G's. It it almost sounds like it should be almost gangster. Say four G's, son. See, now you feel like you're in it now, right? Yeah, four Gs. So I want to give you the four Gs that can generate strength in your struggle, okay? Because I don't think that we were designed to simply survive. I believe we were designed to thrive, okay? So the first G is goals for your time. You have got to have goals for your time. Now, many of you are probably just like, I got this. I've seen this in a leadership seminar. I know all about writing down goals. In fact, I not only write them down, but I have an accountability partner, and he holds me accountable. And I'm 68.9875% more likely to achieve my goals based on accountability. That ain't where we're going. Okay? That's now we're going with goals. How do you manage your calendar? Do you manage your calendar, or does your calendar manage you? And then moms across the room go, oh. Because sometimes we can feel like if it's on this calendar, if it's on this list, then we're somehow obligated to make sure that we do those things. And then we find ourselves in an awkward position sometimes, doing a bunch of things instead of living life. And I would like to encourage you to take that calendar and write what it is you're supposed to be on it. What are your goals there? See, we're good about writing out our health goals or our financial goals and following those, meeting with a financial planner. But what are your dreams? What are the things that God may have written on your heart that you want to become? And so you write it and you put it up there so you can start aiming toward it and achieving it. You see, I'm a, I'm a list maker. I love making a list. How many list makers we got in the house? You just love it. Just, yeah, yeah, right. This the second service has much more list makers than the first service. But the the list makers have this little bit of a tick in their head. It's like, oh, I see a list. Because know what the most satisfying part of a list is? Look at people oh, crossing it off. You you feel me. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, mmm, that line, mmm, there it is. I nailed that. You see, my wife set me up for a little bit of failure because she knows that I'm a list maker and I love lists. She made this list one day and she just started putting all this stuff on it. And I'm just like, I walked by and I'm just kind of walking by the kitchen. I'm like, oh, a list. (laughs) A list. (laughs) And I just started firing off all these things. I mean, I found myself doing all these things. I mean, she doesn't typically ask me to do, but I was just nailing it. I'm going through it. I get to the end of the day, I'm like, man, boom. I nailed that. All that and a bag of chips, that's what I just did. I nailed it. And she's like, sweetie, I just set you up. I just made a list to see how much you could do. And I was like, oh, she's a helper suitable. She wanted to run me through. But sometimes that list gets dictated to us and we get duped, don't we? By culture, by society by what the neighbors are doing, by what our friends are doing, or what we believe that they want us to do. And we put things up on our calendar, and then we say, oh, we have to go live by this. At 3 o'clock, I have to be here. At 2 o'clock, I have to be here. But it's based on their demand of you instead of who you want to become. And I would love to challenge you today to dream, to sit back and go, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want to become? If you want to become a pilot, it will never happen until you go out there. You schedule some classes, and then you put it on your calendar. Instead of doing what's being demanded of you, do what you're designed to do. Instead of doing what's being demanded of you, do what you're designed to do. So the first G is goals. Goals. What about spiritual goals? I know that we're good about meeting with, you know, financial goals. We're good at meeting health goals because everyone knows, we well, have got to lose weight, got to work out. We all get that in our head. And that's good. We should be healthy, okay? I'm currently in a Krav Maga class, which some of you are like, Krav Maga? That's an Israeli ground fighting class, okay? It's just, it's a, it's a ton of fun. Like, I really enjoy it. But I didn't get to it unless I wrote it down and I scheduled it and then put it on there because I wanted to be in better health. What are you doing spiritually putting on your calendar to become better in your spiritual health? What are we putting out there and scheduling? Maybe, maybe it's kind of like the tithe. We know a tithe is a 10% and we give. And that's, that's awesome. That's great. That's very necessary. That fuels what we do here. But what if we took that approach to our time with goals and said, God, I'm going to start my day with you first. I'm going to block you out right here. Nobody can schedule over this time. They want to meet at 7 a.m., Dan. That's fine. We'll meet at 8. I'm with God here. Or, hey, they want to meet really early. It's a 6.30 appointment. That's awesome. I can't do that. I'm actually going to have to meet with God first. What could God do with the rest of your day if you gave him the first part? And we know he's with us all day long. We know that, and that's great. I want to just challenge you to maybe slide out that front portion and say, I'm going to start here. Maybe I have to get up a little earlier, but I'm going to actually give him the first part of my day. Instead of letting my calendar control me, I'm going to control my calendar. I'm going to set some spiritual goals for today. What about our families? What are our spiritual goals for our families? This one's easy to get tricked into, okay? We can get tricked out of designing spiritual goals for our family by getting caught up in what we believe we're being demanded to do. This happened to us uh, last year, I believe it was. Our our four kids, isn't it funny? Our pastor asked a pastor with four kids to talk about time, work, life, management, right? Yeah, I find it funny too. Small adjustments, small adjustments, okay? Okay. All of a sudden, we were taking one daughter to tennis lessons. We're taking another son to baseball. We're taking another son to t-ball. We're managing uh, the youngest one. We're trying to eat right. We're trying to be healthy, trying to do all this. And I remember Kelly and I just going, man, this week is crazy. So you're picking one up, and you're dropping the next off, and you're racing over here. And then I remember we were talking, she's like, how are we going to do Friday because we have too many appointments? You have this, you have that. Then we have to get this one over here to this practice and this one over here to this game. But there's only two cars and it's the same time. How do we do it? And I'm just like, whoa. I was like, we choose whether they go to practice or not. Not the coach. I know some of you are like, Dan, you don't know the coaches around here. Yes, I do. I'm intimately acquainted with those coaches. But I know this God has put me in charge of my household. And He's going to hold me accountable to my household and how I raise them and what I develop them in. And if I continue to run on the rat wheel of dysfunction by doing what the culture says I should do instead of doing what my God tells me I need to do, then I lose. And I remember it clearly, I was like, no, no, no. We control our calendar he's not going there he won't show up at this one and he will live and he still got picked and he still is one of the best ball players on his team okay so goals controlling your calendar number two grit we've got to work with it we have got to work with grit look at the person next to you and just be like mm, get some grit That may have been the most pathetic showing I've ever seen. Get you some grit. I like some grits. No, no, not grits. Turn and look at the person next to you and say, Get you some grit. Get you some grit. This is what it says in Proverbs 13:4. It says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. We need to work. God has geared us to work. God has geared us to thrive. God has geared us to accomplish and to build and to create. In fact, we're made in his image. And the first book of the Bible talks about God creating. So you're designed to work. We have got to work with grit. We have got to work with tenacity. If you're a Christian, you should be the best worker in your company. I tell this to my students all the time. like, look, if you're on a football team, man, and you're a linebacker, and they know that you're a Christian, you come to my youth group, you better be the baddest linebacker on that squad, okay? You better be there early to practice. You better be better than them, eat right, train right, and you better destroy those running backs, okay? It's just the way I feel about it. But, man, we've got to work with grit. We can't just give up. Work is real. See, some people give in to the delusion that work is a product of sin. Like, oh, we have to work because of Adam and Eve in the garden. That's not true. There was work before Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam was naming animals. He was working. Work became irritating after sin, okay? You know that one co-worker? They're like, ha, 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 my neighbor has that person, not me. Yes, that one person. Like it becomes irritating and the struggle is real, but you've got to be gritty. And your know grit is standing in there with a smile and not responding the way you may want to. When you're just like, that's fine. And moving on, we've got to be gritty because we need to work. Proverbs fourteen twenty three says this, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to, pro- to poverty. Man, we don't need more talkers. I work in student ministry. I'm with the next generation. I don't need more talkers. I need more doers. Okay, you you can put up or you can shut up. I'd rather go up, okay, and go ahead and grow up and say, man, we're going to be leaders. We're going to be the ones that are first ones on the front row. We're going to be here early. We're going to show up and do this together because we don't need just talking. We need gritty people that go, man, you know what? I know that I can grind out at this. I can do a great job at this. Then work for the right reason. What motivates you? Why do you do what you do? Some of you are dentists, some of you guys are lawyers, some of you guys are own businesses. We have some awesome stay-at-home moms here. The best-looking one right here in the front row. It's my prerogative. And why do you do what you do? We have to work for the right reason. Do it because God's called you to do it. Do it because you've been designed and wired to do it. If we do it just for money, ugh, that's nauseating. Are we just doing this for money? No, no, we're doing this for a purpose because God's given me a brain and a heart and a a, a wiring inside to do this job and to do it with all my heart and with all my soul. This is what it says in Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when you're doing your job, do it the best you can because God's watching you on that job. And that shows others how you view God. They'll know how you view God based on how you work. If you're lazy, they're going to be like, aren't they a Christian? Aren't they inviting us to the Easter service last or two weeks? Okay. Man, be that great worker. Be that one that grinds and gets it done. Because work is worship. Your work shows worship. It's how you ascribe worth to God. The way that you prepare, the way that you handle your office, the way that your office looks when you walk in. The way your staff greets and manages people. That's a reflection on your worship. And, man, we have an opportunity to compete on a level where other people don't even know that there's a game. We can say, you know what? The way I'm going to work is going to be worship to God today. Because if you work solely for other people, oh, my word. How many of you guys have worked for other people and just been tired out? You just got wore out. Work for God. Because when you work for him, and somebody else may cut you a paycheck, I get that. When you work for him, man, there's nothing more refreshing. To say, hey, are you happy with what I did? Are you good? Because that will be approval that you cannot replace. This is what it says in Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5. It says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it goes, it's gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Man, I'm going to go back to that front and just read that again. It's so good. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Don't just build something to try to hoard it in and pull it together. Build something that lasts. Build something that transcends you. What are you building now that will be here when you're gone? What is it that's going to stand the test of time? And if we chase after wealth, man, I know enough to know this. We'll just find something else to buy and spend it on. That's what we do. But when you work for something that transcends you, it goes on and on. These kids that got baptized this morning, some of them I had the good fortune to lead to the Lord, that will transcend time because that's going to be a dad who's going to raise their children the right way. That's going to be a mom who's going to raise the next generation in the right way. That's the next teacher. That's the next dentist. That's the next doctor. That's the next CEO who's going to have hundreds of employees. And the way he manages them is going to be a testimony. That is worth doing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 20 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy or where thieves will break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to keep work in its proper place. You've got to keep it where it belongs and invest in something that will transcend Time. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? There was one CEO in New York before I moved here to work for Lake Hills Church. I was working as an executive coach. I remember sitting with him, he was about in his mid 40s, late 40s. I remember him telling me, He goes, Dan, I have strived, I have accomplished, I have toiled, I have worked, I've built this company, and I climbed the ladder of success only to be the top in my business and in my field in this state. And now that I'm on top, I just realized that the ladder was leaning up against the wrong building. Because now I have to work my way back to the bottom, lean the ladder on the proper building and climb my, back way, my way back to the top. There's nothing more frustrating in this world than seeing anyone who goes after the things that will not last. What does it profit a man to gain the entire world, but lose his soul, to lose what's most important, to lose the things that God had designed for him, or her, or them? What does he want you to do? That he has said, you are the ones that are gonna do this. Number three, the third G is grace. Grace for the people in your life. Man, I don't know about you, but I, I need grace. Okay, my wife could preach the tar out of this from the front. She goes, like, Oh, he needs a lot of grace. You should see him sometimes. All right? She sees me at my worst and she sees me at my best. But you know who pours out the most grace on me? God does, number one. Number two, my wife pours out so much grace. She tries to, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) Sweet big ox. Yes, he means well. She sees my heart and what I'm trying to do. You know what I love? I love my wife because she sees my heart and what I want to accomplish. She doesn't see the mess that I make. She doesn't see all the other things. She sees me, what I'm trying to do. And how would our families work better? How would our relationships work better? How would our work environment be different? How would our time together be different? If we saw people with grace in our eyes, instead of holding on to a past offense, instead of holding on to something that somebody had done to you, you look for what you can do for them and just go, you know what, I'm gonna let that go. I'm gonna cover that up. The Proverbs talks about it is wisdom to cover an offense. I feel like that's what God does for us and pours out his grace on us. While we were yet sinners, Christ came and died and said, man, you're you're totally against me. You're totally writhing against everything I stand for. I'm gonna come and die and put my life down for you to give you peace. What if we did that with people? What if that coworker we mentioned earlier, what if we saw them that way? What if we said, they are irritating me to death? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go give them grace. You know, I'm going to find out what their favorite chocolate is and bring it to work and give it to them. And not do it with a, ha, ha, look at that. But just be like, man, so thankful you're here. And convince yourself of it before you do it. (laughs) Okay. And someone might bring it up to you and be like, I thought you didn't. Like, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm going to do better than that. That would be inspiring. Grace for the people in your life. James 4, 6 says this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What about our relationships? when We're trying to manage all of this because the struggle is real. How do we manage grace in our relationships? Here's a great way. Never approach a relationship looking for what you can get out of it, but what you can serve in it. In other words, when you see others, how can I serve them? When I walk into this, I don't need something from you. I want to give something to you. I just want to give And you have to be prepared at that moment because that's very offsetting for most people. They don't understand. They're like, what's your angle? Now, me being from New York, I'm just like, what do you want? And that's an insecurity that was inside of me that had to be put to rest to go, maybe they just want to do something nice. Maybe just see people for who they are. And and I get it, ready? The struggle is real. I still, but New York kind of stiffens up a little bit, but... What's your angle? What are they looking for? They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Relax. Maybe they just want to serve. But never approach a relationship or come into it from the perspective that you need something, but instead serve. And here's a great way to end a conversation with people. How can I help? How can I help you? Someone will sit and talk to you. I mean, the world is full of ideas and pitches and schemes and all these different designs of people that want to. What if we started to be the kind of people that said, how can I help you? That's what you want to accomplish. How could I help? Now, it doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything because back to the calendar, right? There are some things you should just say no to, okay? And go, oh, that's great, but I'm not going to help you run 16 triathlons this year. Not built for it. (laughs) right? I'm not going to be able to help you. I can take you to Alex Judd who will help you run 16 triathlons in a year, but I'm not going to be able to do that. But when we change our position and our posture, all of a sudden the relationships change and the struggle isn't quite as tough. We are strengthening ourselves so we can stand in the struggle. The people could lean on us instead, you see, there's, in relationships, you're always going to leave one particular party unattended to at some point. This struggle between work, between time, between relationships and people, you're going to leave somebody out. You're going to miss it. I, I, it happens with me. It's great. I try to be that best dad I can be, but there are some days I have to be away for a week at a time. I think the key is this, if you're going to let somebody down, because inevitably it's going to happen, the struggle is real, you will let someone down, don't let it be the same person twice, tiny adjustments, you know what, I'll let them down, sorry, I can't do this right now, I need to work over here for a minute, or I've been away from work a little bit because I was on vacation. You know, I've been doing this thing. Now it's time for me to get back into work or maybe my time or with people. Don't let it be the same people twice because the struggle is real. You're going to let somebody down, just not two in a row. Just say, you know what, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm okay with that. Because the reality is that which you neglect will eventually leave you. If you neglect it long enough, it will leave you. And we cannot afford the best thing we have in our lives and our relationships to leave us because we neglected them and didn't pay attention to the fact that that struggle is very real. We can't afford to lose those relationships. The fourth one, the fourth G, gratitude. Gratitude for all that you have. We need more gratitude I don't know if you built like me. I, I, there are some people that are hardwired kind of one of two ways. Either you see a glass and you go, man, that's half full. We can do this. And there are some people that look at it and go, it's half empty. Why is there not more in there? Come on. The struggle is real. How many people you see the glass half empty? Be honest. Okay, nobody wanted to admit it. I'll admit it first. I'm that guy. Okay? I'm the guy who's like, man, you could fill that glass up. <sighs> Why is it half empty? I found myself uh, just a little while ago Kind of in that push-pull tension. And I was like, man, this isn't going this. I want this to do this. I want to do this. I want to build. I want to this. I want to create. I want to do. And I found myself getting down a little bit. And I reached out to a friend of mine who said to me, he goes, when was, when was the last time you just spent time thanking God for everything you've got? I'm like, everything? He's like, yeah, everything. Like, what do you mean everything? He's like, like your eyes. Do your eyes work? I'm like, oh, these things are great. They're even blue. He's like, okay, pride, check. All right. He said, "When did Would you, you thank God for your legs that are working? How about the fact that you have a great house and a great home and awesome wife and great children? Yeah, but the kids, you know, man, This the other day, they just... And he's like, really? Really? You know people wish they could have kids and don't have them? Struggle's real, Dan. You should be thankful for them. These are the stories that you're going to look back and laugh at. These are the stories that are going to build your home and create strength in the struggle. So your legs are strong enough to withstand. So others could look to you and say, how do I get through this? Because the struggle is real for everyone. Here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to go back. I'd love to just go back to my daughter, Eden. Eden was trying to grasp something that was not something that was... Able to be grasped. She's reaching out for water, playing with it. She's having a ball. She enjoyed it. She's having so much fun. She was safe because she just needed to stay close to her father. The four G's are awesome. You need all four of those G's in your life. You need goals. You need grit. You need grace. And you need gratitude. They even, man, they even sound good when you say them together. Goals, grit, grit grace, and gratitude. We need those things. But the thing that overrode all of them, even if she had one of them, she was close to her father. Staying close to her father kept her safe, kept this, those 4Gs manageable. Dan, are you suggesting that a two-year-old used the 4Gs? Maybe. But you're not two. And sometimes with our time and our work and our relationships we get too far away from our father our heavenly father and we just need to get right next to him again and go i'm thankful for what you've done i'm going to pour out the grace you've poured out on me on others you know what i'm going to do this and i'm not going to give up i'm going to be gritty about it not only am i going to be gritty about it you know what I'm going to set goals, goals that you may want for my family, goals that you may want for me, because we can do this. Would you bow your heads with me? You might be here for the very first time and say, getting close to my heavenly father, what do you mean? The truth of the matter is, God is your father. He loves you. He cares for you and he has a plan for your life. It's a plan for good, it's for future, it's for hope. And in that plan, it affords for you and him connecting back to each other. And Right now, if you're not connected with him, you are in the best place you could ever be. You're in his house. And he is reaching out saying, I love you, I want you back. Get back, get closer to me. And you can do that today. It's as simple as a prayer, not out loud, but just to yourself. To say, God, I choose you. I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you cleanse me from the mess I've made and give me a fresh new start? And if that's you, I want to encourage you to have enough grit, to have enough boldness. That if you just said that prayer, which you can say silently to yourself, not out loud, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I just had to make that decision. I'm too far away from my heavenly Father. We would love for you to get connected because connection matters. We would love for you to tell someone about that. You can even fill it out on a connection form and drop that off. But we have a tradition here at Lake Hills that as you put your hands down, We put our hands together and say welcome home.